It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, all right, that's not Jimmy. That's uh, Zioli. Where's Where's Jimmy today? Where's Jimmy? Well, he's not comforting Lori Lightfoot. I got word about that. He's not acting as Lori Lightfoot's spirit animal today or emotional rescue dog or anything like that. He's just off. You know, he's doing stuff. What are you going to say? Welcome to the Fox Ross America. It is me, Rich Zioli, in for your radio pal, Jimmy Fallon, today. It's great to be with you. Did he not crush it the other night, filling in on Gutfeld? It was hilarious. My favorite was the Jeffrey Epstein joke. But that was great. And they went viral, too, so that's fantastic. Uh, we got a big show for you today, and obviously a lot of breaking news. The mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, becomes the first mayor in Chicago in four 40 years to lose re-election. For a Democrat incumbent mayor to lose re-election, you know you have to be bad because that is basically the most corrupt city in America when it comes to Democrat politics. It makes my hometown of Philadelphia look like uh, child's play. And even if you were to think for a moment about the fact that Lori Lightfoot is blaming this on the fact that she's a black woman, and so it's racism and sexism, which I guess didn't stop people the first time around from electing her. But when she loses, then then they're racist so and sexist, obviously. But the first time they elected her, clearly they were not racist and sexist. So in the, in the four years of Lori Lightfoot's mayoral uh, legacy, she's turned the city of Chicago into not only a crime-ridden hellhole, but also into a, a place of racism and misogyny. She's turned it into a racist, sexist place as well. Because it didn't stop them four years ago from electing her. So it could be that. could be that they've just in four years turned into a bunch of racist sexists. Or it could be that she had the absolute worst record of any mayor in America. And that's saying a lot, considering that I broadcast from Philadelphia. But let's face it. Chicago was on fire. Crime was out of control in every aspect of this. And people just don't want it. They, they don't want crime in their cities. I know it's hard for people to grasp But they just want safe streets and safe schools for their children. Black, white, brown, purple, it doesn't matter your skin color. You want the same thing. You want safety. And the fact that you have these woke mayors and woke district attorneys across the country who are more focused on getting criminals out of jail than keeping the streets safe, that is is the most racist thing that's happening right now. Oh, it really is. The, the fact that they don't care about cleaning up these neighborhoods, many of which are black and brown neighborhoods, and they're more concerned about putting criminals back on the street, that is the most racist thing you need to know right there. They don't care about the residents of those communities. They don't care. you got gunfire, kids getting shot in the crossfire, absolute crime soaring under her watch. In 2021, Chicago recorded the most killings in a quarter century and more than 3,500 shootings. It's 797 uh, deaths. Killings, 3,500 shootings, which was 1,400 more than were recorded in 2019 when she first took office. According to a poll commissioned earlier this month by the Chicago Sun-Times and a bunch of other Chicago uh, media outlets, nearly two-thirds of Chicagoans said they did not feel safe. And yet she's acting like this was because of the fact that she's a black woman. In, in, in America in the year 2023. That's really what she's saying here. Now, you know as well as I do that this country is hitting a tipping point when it comes to crime on our streets. It really is. It, it's hitting a tipping point. I deal with this in Philly all the time 
We had a cop who was shot to death, murdered in cold blood the other night. We have shootings nightly, carjackings at record, record out-of-control places. Unfortunately, in my city, they keep electing the same Democrats. But the fact that they rejected the district attorney in San Francisco, sent him packing, the fact that they elected Eric Adams in New York, who, look, is still, by all accounts, I mean, he's a Democrat and he's got a lot of policies I completely disagree with, but at least he ran on a tough-on-crime position, and he won. Now, the guy who is going to succeed Lori Lightfoot, Paul Vallis, a former CEO of Chicago schools, will face off against Brandon Johnson, a Cook County commissioner endorsed by the Chicago Teachers Union. Now, Vallis has positioned himself as more of a moderate running on a platform of law and order, kind of like Eric Adams did in New York City. Johnson is seen as the more progressive choice. So the, the question is going to be, will voters in Chicago, in addition to kicking her out, Will they wake up and say enough with the progressives, you know, enough of the progressive kooks who think criminals are the are the victims of society? And they do. A lot of this comes from George Soros. Yes, he's the Democrat boogeyman. Yes, he is. And his money goes very, very far. And he spends billions of it to get these kind of people elected. In the cities in America right now, 27 out of 30 of the highest crime cities in America run by Democrats. One is run by an independent who's basically a Democrat. And uh, I think the other two are nonpartisan. So you can't even point to Republicans running anything. But of those, George Soros has played in almost every single one of those pools. And in addition to getting woke mayors elected, he's gotten a lot of district attorneys elected, too. Let's say let's say Philadelphia, for example, where I broadcast from on WPHD every day from 3 to 7 p.m. Larry Krasner is his name. He's the worst. The man is a disaster. He spends more time going after cops and trying to get criminals out of jail. For example, this guy named Seth Williams used to be district attorney. He's black. And he actually said, it is ridiculous that Larry Krasner, who's white, is calling out me when I'm black for being racist or putting people behind bars and then trying to get those people to be freed from prison, even though they were convicted by a jury of their peers. He wrote a big op-ed about this. Michael Nutter, the former mayor of Philadelphia, who's also black, came out and said that Larry Krasner's Inability to go after criminals and his insistence on getting them out of jail is the height, the absolute height of white arrogance, white male privilege is how we put it, which is a little tongue in cheek. And I liked it, though. I did because I think it works. And you see, it's because guys like George Soros, who's white and rich, doesn't care about people living in neighborhoods in American cities that are being besieged by drugs and guns, fentanyl. On and on and, go, and illegal guns, illegal guns, because every time there's shootings, these people do the same thing. They turn around, they scream about making it harder to buy a gun and more things to crack down on law abiding citizens. But we're not the ones doing the shooting. It's not us. You know, people like me, people like you who love the Second Amendment, appreciate it, follow it, adhere to the law. We, we are not the ones in the middle of the night who are shooting people in the streets of Chicago or Philly or San Francisco, wherever else. Right? We're not doing those things. It is always criminals using illegal firearms who are doing these things, mostly gang-related and largely drug-related, and most of the time, repeat offenders who are on the streets, and they shouldn't be on the streets. But where does it come from? It comes from a philosophy. It really does. So I remember this. I went to the University of Maryland, and I remember being in a criminal justice class a long time ago, and, uh, you know, we started having this debate, and it was really an economic debate more than anything else, but it was, why do people become criminals, you know? And for me, I thought it was pretty simple. Well, you don't want to work. 
you know, it's 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 sometimes a logical choice. You know, you get free things and, you know, but it also doesn't seem like a very long term proposition you know, unless you join the mafia or something like that, which in which case, you know, but of course, the mafia doesn't exist. But then there was the argument of, well, because they're oppressed by society, they have no choice. They have no choice but to engage in crime. There are a lot of people in criminal justice classes across the country who graduate listening to these woke professors and then they go to law school and they get law degrees and they believe this stuff. You know, they believe that the the, the capitalist system of oppression and white supremacy and America's colonial past and blah, blah, blah has created the situation whereby these people have no choice but to become criminals. They have no other options in society. And so it's not fair to punish them. Why would you send them away? They're not the problem. The problem is the system. The system is what should be punished, and they try to put the system on trial all the time. The good news is, though, rational people see through this crap, and they realize how dangerous that kind of thinking is. And the neighborhoods see through this, too. Most importantly, the people that live in the neighborhoods see through this stuff, and they understand how dangerous that kind of thinking is. I think it was uh, the anniversary of the Communist Manifesto was this month. I'm not, I, I believe, Karl Marx, his little book, you know. And I remember specifically reading in that book this idea, this notion that crime would cease to exist under communism, that, that capitalism is the reason why there is crime. There are a lot of people who believe in that Marxist ideology who become district attorneys and college professors who teach those people who become district attorneys and then try to put that thinking into policy action. Lori Lightfoot is one of those people. And under her uh, mayoral time, Chicago was on fire every single night, night after night. Imagine living there. Here's Lori Lightfoot conceding the election in Chicago. Let's start with cut number one. I've called Brandon Johnson and Paul Vallis uh, to congratulate them on their victories in advancing uh, to the runoffs. We were fierce competitors. And these last few months... Um, but I will be rooting and praying for our next mayor to deliver uh, for the people of the city for years to come. Then she talked about uh, her record on COVID and public safety. And remember, she had some of the most draconian lockdown policies of anybody. And of course, when it comes to public safety, <laughs> well, uh, cut two. Obviously, we didn't win the election today, but I stand here with my head held high and a heart full of gratitude. I am grateful to the millions of Chicagoans who came together as we made tough decisions, saw the struggles of our frontline workers, and beat back a deadly pandemic. I'm grateful that we worked together to remove a record number of guns off our streets, reduced homicides, and started making real progress on public safety. Started making real progress. Again, under Lori Lightfoot, let me just, again, share those statistics with you just so we can put this in context. Uh, Chicago recorded the most killings in a quarter century in 2021 with more than 797 killings, 3,500 shootings, which was 1,400 more than were recorded in the year before when she took office. But real, pro real progress. I mean, it's progress if you look at it as, as the numbers are going up. I guess, technically speaking, that's progress. You're progressing. You're progressing in the wrong direction, but you're still progressing somewhere. So there you go. She also said uh, she's fought for the she's fought the right fights on behalf of her city. This is the thing about progressives, too. They never think they're wrong, ever. So they don't turn around and go, you know what? I really screwed up here. Maybe I shouldn't have focused so much on the criminals. Maybe I should have really supported the cops and made sure the streets were safe. And maybe had I done those things, I'd have a job today. Nope. 
they will never admit they're wrong. Cut three. Regardless of tonight's outcome, we fought the right fights and we put this city on a better path. No doubt about it. Now, as we all know in life, in the end, you don't always win every battle, but you never regret taking on the powerful and bringing in the light. Mm, is the light coming in? I hope so. I hope the light is coming in. There you go. Uh, all right, we got a lot to talk about today here on Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. Jimmy's off, but it's me, Rich Zioli, in for my buddy and yours, Jimmy Fela. We got some great guests coming up today. We're going to talk about student loan debt. We're going to talk about the lab leak. Katrina Campins from Fox Business is going to stop by. So don't go away. The show that sees through the bullet. My response is right, you know, and the stripper really likes you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. And let's not forget, too, Lori Lightfoot drove the Chicago Bears out of the city, too. That's right. The Bears had no interest in being in Chicago. I don't blame them. There was a story from NBCChicago.com from a couple months ago, and uh, they just said they, they said the, the relationship with her office had reached such a toxic level, and all they wanted to do was go to suburban Arlington Heights. Chicago officials were lobbying them. They were trying to throw cash at them and everything like that. They, they wanted nothing to do with it. And look, you know, I understand. I mean, a lot of these stadiums don't want to do a renovation. The renovation for Soldier Field would have been very expensive and, and very cumbersome. They just want to build brand new facilities. I get that. But also, too, why would you want to just renovate a, 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 a stadium that is in the middle of a city that is besieged by crime and also has the, uh, the, the chop busting of Lori Lightfoot when you could just build a brand new one in the burbs? Obviously. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. But I think the fact that she could not keep the Chicago Bears in Chicago. And, and I love, too, how there's one story how Mayor, Mayor Lori Lightfoot wanted the Chicago Bears to change her season ticket seats over security concerns. It was the summer of 2019, and the Chicago Bears geared up for their 100th season, but they had a whole other issue to deal with. Citing security concerns, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration had requested updating her season tickets, which she'd held for years before being elected months earlier to her top job at City Hall. Lightfoot's security detail worried that she would be hard to protect in the seats on the Lakefront Stadium's 400 level, so they approached the Bears about moving her to a different location. And, of course, team officials tried working with Lightfoot's representatives to accommodate her security concerns and move the mayor's seats, but the Bears had a problem of their own. From the team's perspective, a 2016 ethics board ruling inspired by the Chicago Cubs World Series run complicated the question of whether they could offer the mayor a free or even face value upgrade. The city's ethics board determined that giving elected officials access to face value tickets for high demand events constituted a gift under the city's ethics ordinance, which prohibits them from taking anything worth more than 50 bucks. Now, I'll tell you what this is. I, I know exactly what this is. They hated her. And they could have accommodated her, but they didn't want to. So instead, what they did was they turned around and said, well, I don't know if this will pass muster of the city ethics board. It's Chicago. They don't do anything ethical in that city. Nothing. The city ethics board just sits there to go, I don't know, what do you want me to say? But the Bears didn't want to upgrade her seats because they don't like her. 
And so that's why this happened. It's Chicago. You think, honestly, that the ethics board matters in Chicago? Please, that, that, that's, that's, uh, that's ridiculous. And a lot of people said to the mayor at the time, you know, buy your own damn tickets. Like, what, what are you doing that we got to buy this? Because the city turned around and said that they would, they would maybe buy them for the mayor herself. No, 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 no. And why not sit up in the 400 seats? You know what that is, right? That's it. That's an example of either two things going on there. Either Lori Lightfoot thinks that, hey, listen, now that I'm mayor, I shouldn't have to sit with a bunch of bozos in the bleachers, right? I don't have to sit up here with these, these, these heathens, these, these monsters. No, I want a nice posh suite. I'm the mayor. That's probably what it was. And then she figured, well, they're not going to say no to me because I'm the mayor. Well, guess what? They did. <laughs> well, guess what? They did say no to you. And and I love the way they did it, too. They turned around and going, well, the ethics board, you know, it's a uh, what are you going to do? All right. Listen, uh, Randy Weingarten ranting about student debt outside the Supreme Court yesterday was my favorite unhinged lefty moment from yesterday. And there was a lot of them to choose from. I had a plethora of lefty unhinged moments to choose from. But Randy Weingarten screaming and yelling and literally jumping up and down. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very fluid, up and down and up and down. It was a good aerobic workout for her. That's my favorite. Well, we're going to talk to Katrina Campins in just a few minutes about the economy and about the student debt fight and what this all means. And I'm excited to do that with her and with you, of course, as well. And a little bit later in the show, you know, one of the things that has contributed to the violence in Chicago is the fentanyl crisis in America. It's something I deal with. I see it in Philadelphia every single day. We see it in every major city across the country. What can we do about fentanyl? Merrick Garland was grilled today by the Senate Oversight Committee, and the topic came up. And wait till you hear the audio of a mom who's crying over the fact that her son died of a fentanyl overdose. Um, pretty heartbreaking stuff. And don't forget, the uh, FBI director, Christopher Ray backs the COVID lab leak theory. Wow. But what else does he back, too? Like, does he, does he back, for example, coming clean on whether or not there were any undercover FBI agents or uh, FBI informants in the crowd on January 6th, for example? Does he talk about that? What about the raid on Mar-a-Lago? And how that contrasts with Joe Biden's classified documents. All of these questions that I have from the FBI director, Christopher Ray, And we'll talk about that with you on Fox Across America with me, Rich Zioli. And for Jimmy, don't go away. we got a big show. We're just getting warmed up. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. All right, it's Fox Cross America. Jimmy's off, but I am with you today. Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia, where, of course, we carry Jimmy's show on Saturdays. And great to be back with you. Your radio pal, my radio pal. So that makes us pals. There you go. And it makes me and Katrina Campins pals, and I'm so excited to welcome her back to the show. Of course, Fox News, Fox Business real estate contributor, host of Mansion Global on Fox Business, and uh, just an overall all-around rock star. Katrina, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. Great to chat with you again. 
Yeah, you know, last time you were on, we had a good time, so I said, let's get Katrina back on today because Randy <laughs> Weingarten melt, melting outside the United States Supreme Court yesterday uh, kept me up in terrors all night, so I, I don't know if I can work very hard today because I didn't get much sleep. Honestly, I, I've, I've watched the video multiple times of her ranting outside, and it's just <laughs> so unprofessional on so many levels and just classless, you know. But what I, why I have a big problem with it is because – I worked my tail off to pay for school, right? So I worked at the University of Miami Library, stacking books of all things, making $5 an hour. And then I realized that that was not going to cut it. So that's when I got into real estate and got my real estate license and convinced people basically to let me sell their house. But had I not had that motivation to pay for my own education, I don't know that I would have been as incentivized, right, to go out there and hustle and, like, make something of myself. And I think this just basically continues along the lines of like this, just the sense of entitlement to me. And and she's talking about fairness, like she's screaming to the top of her lungs, right? Right? Which it, it makes her sound like an activist, as opposed to someone that's in a leadership position. Right. Um, I just think her behavior is totally off. But she, you know, she shouts about fairness. Is it fair to us who actually had to work while we were in college to pay off all of our student loans? I I don't believe so. And is it also fair to all the people out there who work very hard every day in this country and don't have any student loan debt because they never went to college? And a lot yep, of times people true. that go to college and get graduate degrees, and this is what a lot of these these loans are going to go back and pay graduate degrees, their earning potential is very high. So why do we have to subsidize them? Exactly. And I just I just think that it, it's it's very in line again with just the, the sense of entitlement and we shouldn't we shouldn't continue along those lines because there's something to be said when you have to earn something, right? And the younger generation, I think you're almost depriving them of that. People in, in school now is just I just I wouldn't take anything back. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I had to work hard to earn something in life has made me who I am today and I'm so grateful for it, even if I wasn't grateful at that time, you know, because it seemed like a struggle. So I don't I don't believe and I'm not a big fan of the student debt relief. I just don't think it's fair. So you so you actually think that if people have to work hard, they'll learn the value of that. They'll appreciate it versus if they're just handed stuff. They're just not going to appreciate it. Absolutely. And, you know, what a there's concept, been so right? many studies. Yeah. And you know what? There's been so many studies because I went to a prep school and I was, you know, there on I was basically one of the only Hispanic kids at the time, you know, and I went to a prep school with people who had a lot of it was like old money and all those kids. Right. Had everything given to them. And I also feel like where was the incentive? You know, then you had me who basically I had to work basically to be able to, you know, to afford the education. And it just makes you it just makes you work harder later on in life and reap the benefits as a result of that. And, and you know, so many I, I actually watched an interview, interestingly enough, with Barbara Corcoran uh, re- recently, and she said, you know what, I will take p- kids that grew up, you know, in lower income brackets than rich kids because they they just had to figure out life, you know, mm-hmm. and one way or another, you're going to make it because you have to survive. Katrina Camp, and since you are a real estate expert, give me your overview of the market right now. And I, I know there's been talk of possibly, you know, a market crash or with interest rates right now slowing things down. But obviously, spring is right around the corner, and, that, and that's always the prime time, right? Yes, and I think, you know, the real estate market, the cycle that we're in right now is very different than anything we've ever had. And people, you know, you still read the headlines like, 
is it going to crash? Are we going to go into a recession? And I truly believe that this cycle is very different because of the lack of inventory that we have in the market. So we still have very low inventory. And I'm filming season five right now of Mansion Global, and we're going across the entire nation. And I would say the major markets that experienced the most of appreciation since COVID still have relatively low supply. So six months is a you know, six months is a healthy market. And a lot of these have three to four months of supply. So I think that's what's helping us keep, you know, prices up. They may not be appreciating to the same degree, but they're not flopping by any means in these major markets. You know, I think the West is gonna have a little bit of trouble because people are just leaving. You know, quite frankly, they're just leaving to other states and I'm experiencing that as I film. Is that why is that, Katrina? Is it just because it's so expensive? So expensive. Um, the policies, you know, they are crime, mm-hmm. and they're coming to states like Florida and Texas, where they, you know, feel like they're free states and they can get more for their money. And also education. You know, education is a big thing. I don't think people realize that people are highly driven by the educational system and you know what ron DeSantis has done in florida is bringing people here i mean miami was just voted the number one market in the entire nation and the reason and it's now has more millionaires and billionaires and the reason is is because you know people are moving there not only because business is business friendly but also because of the educational system you know and and the public school system has gotten so awful and you don't have to worry about certain things when you're in florida yeah, I, th- I think you're 100% right on that. I mean, I'm in Jersey. Everybody that I talk to who's a parent, you know, they, 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 for years have been paying high property taxes, and that's been, you know, it is what it is because they were getting great schools. But the minute that schools started shutting down, the minute the woke curriculum started making its way to the classroom, suddenly now these parents said, oh, hell no, and they started fighting back. And, I, I mean, even people that I knew that were Democrats started voting for conservative school board members. And, I, and I, it was great to see in Florida how those school board districts flipped to be become conservative school board districts. And I think DeSantis going after education, making that a big, a big point of his, of his, uh, his governor uh, policies, school policies, I, mean, I think is, is really making a difference for him. But yeah, if you're a parent and you, you're living in a state where the kids are going to be indoctrinated or locked out of school or whatever, and you can live in a state, pay less and have freedom for your kids in school and also nice weather. I mean, Katrina, it's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. It's a no-brainer. I just, I just came back from a winter storm in Utah. We were filming there. And la- not, I didn't get one, two winter storms while we were there. So we're, like, shoveling to be able to get to the house that we're filming. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is why I'm a Florida girl, not to mention sea level. You know, like, I'm at 9,000 <laughs> feet, and I'm, like, dizzy. You know, I can't breathe. I'm, the I'm air's a little oxygen. thin up there, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling the crew, like, are you filming this part where I'm, like, you know, I'm running around with oxygen cans? But, yeah, it's <laughs> – ridiculous actually but you know what people people see the glamour and all of it but there's you know there's a lot of other things that go on but no with regard to to florida you know school reform i think is going to be a major issue moving forward and i actually think it's going to have you know a huge effect on the presidential election moving forward because it matters you know it's a big issue and school choice is another big issue and so i i just think that He's on the right track when it comes to school reform and, you know, parents and crime. Crime's another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, touring around, that's another thing that I didn't really realize the degree 
until I started visiting these places and until we started, you know, you started seeing it for yourself, like the crime in these areas. You can't walk the way you used to in Chicago. You can't walk in certain areas of the United States. And it's scary. And you see that with, with Lori Lightfoot losing in Chicago. I think that's a, that's a great example of that where people say enough is enough. Right. And like with Chicago, I used to have an office in Chicago because Greg Olson's wife um, and Greg's now an announcer for Fox. But he when he was playing there, she ran my real estate operations in Chicago. And Carlos Boozer, another client friend of mine who now just joined my firm, actually, he was playing there for the Bulls. And so I would spend a lot of time in Chicago. Um, and I remember you would walk the streets regardless of what time. Everybody was happy as long as they were watching sports and drinking. You know, it was like fun, fun city. And now I've been told that, you you know, everything's boarded up. Like you can't walk um, the same, you know, same that you used to by yourself. It's just it's just a different place now. It's scary and sad because Chicago has so much potential. And did you see, and the last thing I want to ask you, Katrina, did you see the uh, story in the New York Post about the charter schools in New York that it takes $36,000 to educate a kid in a public school in New York, and charter schools can do it for $18,000? I mean, if that's not an endorsement of why school choice is so critical and so needed, I don't know what is. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I'm very passionate about the school system because I have a five-year-old and my sister has three young kids. And, you know, you don't realize it until you're a parent yourself. And it's it's just vital. And you want them to have the same opportunities that we had, right? And now the, the stats actually came out. And when I was outnumbered a few weeks ago, um, they shared this with me. It's just like the, the test scores and everything, like these kids are just not testing the way that they should. And I honestly think it's because so many of, you know, these schools around the nation are focusing on the wrong things. Like they're focusing on teaching four and five and six-year-olds about gender instead of math and science. And what about like mental health issues? You know, that's mm-hmm. another big thing is I really truly believe that we need to pay attention to that. You know, like I am big on, you know, praying at night as well, like praying God, you know, with my son and just thanking God for everything so that he realizes like what he's grateful for. But then also like meditation, you know, it's important for these kids to have a normal upbringing the way we had, you know, and so I'm very passionate about that. Well, I love everything you just said. And tune into Mansion Global on Fox Business. Katrina Campins, follow her on Twitter at Katrina Campins, Katrina with a K, of course. Uh, Thank you so much, my friend. It's great talking with you as always, and uh, keep up the great work. Likewise. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you all. You got it. And we will be right back here on Fox Across America. Don't go away. You're listening to the best dad on the radio. Can't believe you forgot my birthday. You're with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. I tell you, the uh, student loan debt issue and Randy Weingarten's epic meltdown yesterday outside the United States Supreme Court really is just, it's just amazing. The, the bet, you got really got to watch the video. Though. I have to tell you, watch the video. And maybe I'll tweet it out at Rich Zioli as I fill in here for Jimmy today on Fox Cross America. Uh, Randy Weingarten up and down, up and down, like like a jumping bean, just yelling and yelling and yelling. Here's a little bit of, remember, she's the president of the American Federation of Teachers. She's the grand poobah of the unions, the teachers union. And it proves to you everything that's wrong with the teacher unions in this country. Not teachers, but the unions. The unions control the Democrat Party. 
And that's why we don't have school choice. It's why Democrats will abandon charter schools the minute they have national ambitions like Cory Booker, who used to be a, a, a staunch charter school advocate when he was mayor of Newark, New Jersey years ago. But the minute he ran for U.S. Senate with eyes on the White House, dropped all that because the teachers union money is so vital to Democrats. And they're the same people that kept your kids out of school, the same people that made your kids wear masks in school, the same people that are advocating for woke curriculum. This is all them. And yesterday, proving that they're all a bunch of Marxists jumping and screaming up and down outside the Supreme Court. Uh, Let's start with cut 23. This is what really pisses me off. During the pandemic, we understood that small businesses were hurting and we helped them and it didn't go to the Supreme Court to challenge it. Big businesses were hurting and we helped them and it didn't go to the Supreme Court to challenge it. All of a sudden, when it's about our students, they challenge it, the corporations challenge it, the student loan lenders challenge it. That is not right. That is not fair, and that is what we are fighting as well when we say cancel student debt. And listening to that is the seventh circle of hell in Dante's Inferno. Look, the thing about this is none of these people have been paying student loan debt. They, they've not been paying their loans since March of 2020, and they haven't had any interest accrued either. And the pandemic's over, so what's the emergency exactly? What, what, what is keeping them from making their payments now? Now, you might have struggled to pay your mortgage during the pandemic. You might have struggled with, but but there is no pandemic anymore. So it's over. So then what is stopping them from now? Now, I had to make my mortgage payments throughout in COVID. I never stopped. I had my car payment, my credit card payments. I never stopped doing any of those things. But student loan payments were not being made, public ones, obviously. And now what? The argument is they can't pay them now because what? Because there was a pandemic in hindsight? This is more of Randy Weingarten yelling, uh, cats are screaming, glass is breaking, cut 24. I see it as a moral issue. I mean, the Republicans are making it, these states are making it a political issue. Like when all of a sudden did college not become something we wanted kids to do? But it's been a huge spiral. It's been a huge escalation of costs for college. College costs a lot more today, Andrea, than when you went or when I went. Absolutely. And so consequently, what this relief is, it's not cancellation totally. It's relief as we go into the lifting of the student debt moratorium. You know why college is so much more expensive now? A big part of that is the federal student loan program, because you're just handing out money. And so no matter what, colleges know they're still going to get their classrooms full, there's no incentive for them to lower costs. In any marketplace, whenever the government starts interfering in the market by pumping money into it, there's a change. And in this case, as soon as the federal government started handing out all the federal student loans and everybody knew they would get their loans, they just go into debt, and that's how it was, colleges could keep jacking up the prices, building these amazing campus athletic centers and pools and beautiful dorms that are like luxury housing. And there was never any reason for them to stop. There was never any reason for them to cut costs, to to cut classes that were dead weight. You know, what people in the private sector have to do. So they could pay professors outrageous salaries who who don't even teach. They could have these beautiful campus facilities. And they knew that they were still going to keep getting students because you were still going to keep getting student loans. 
And it, did, it doesn't seem like real money because eventually, you know, you'll graduate. You pay them back, but you're going to have a degree and maybe go to grad school and your earning potential is going to be high. And so it's just not a problem. That's why college expenses keep going up. That's why college keeps going up in terms of cost. And that's why for a lot of people, they turn around now and go, I don't, I don't really know if it's worth it. I don't know if I'm going to get my value back in doing this. I just don't know. Coming up, uh, more on this, the student loan stuff. I'll tell you what the Supreme Court justices had to say. We'll also get into the fentanyl crisis in this country, the COVID lab leak theory. we got a lot more to go. It's Fox Across America coming right back. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Cross America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy is not here right now, but he'll be back soon. In the meantime, it's me, Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210, WPHD in Philadelphia with you on this beautiful day. This where I'm broadcasting from in Philadelphia. It's chilly, but it's nice and sunny out, and that's good because I need the sunshine, and I'm happy that it's almost spring. And by the way, I should mention to you that the Attorney General Merrick Garland was testifying today in a number of different things. The topic of fentanyl came up. Uh, Philadelphia, like many cities across the country, is being ravaged by the fentanyl crisis, and it truly is a crisis. It's not it's not even something where you can you can act like it's just not a you know, not a thing. And I mean, you see it everywhere. You see the effects of it everywhere. And what's particularly, I think, challenging about the fentanyl crisis is that it involves a couple of neighboring countries. Well, one neighboring country, one across the pond, the other pond. And that's China. So they manufacture this stuff in China. They bring it over to Mexico. There they put it together. Then they drive it over the border. And I read this amazing article about this. They actually rent out Airbnbs in Southern California. And from there they have nationwide distribution routes throughout the country. And I think it's part of the reason why we've also seen crime being such an issue. But Biden's lawlessness at the border. I mean, the, the open border down in the southern border of Mexico has clearly led to this. There's just so many people just being able to walk into the country with fentanyl strapped to their bodies, and it's it's clearly a thing, and no doubt about it. So they had a um, uh, the House Homeland Security Committee held a hearing yesterday on the ongoing crisis at the southern border. Most emotional moments from the hearing came when Rebecca Kiesling lost her sons Caleb and Kyler in 2020 to fentanyl doses. And I'm going to play some audio from her in just a moment. But officials have said that of the 108,000 overdose deaths in 2021, more than 80,000 were linked to opioids like fentanyl. And she noted that the worsening crisis is not getting enough attention from the media. She talked about, you know, we have a weather balloon from China going across our country. No one died. Everyone's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year. Nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. You know, I also think a big part of the reason why we have this crisis going on, because it's not just the cities, although that's a big, big part of it. But there is an addiction problem in this country that I think was exacerbated by COVID. And I don't think anybody can disagree with that. During COVID, people were locked down. People were not working. They were not going to, to outpatient programs if they had addiction issues. And there was also you also have a lot of towns that have been ravaged across this country, too, from companies leaving to send their factories overseas and people losing their jobs. The war on coal, which has decimated towns in Pennsylvania and Ohio and other places like that, West Virginia, Virginia. The war on oil, the war on natural gas. I mean, all of those wars, the war on energy that has uh, gone after so many of these fossil fuel towns, towns that have that have built up around this industry that have been decimated. Well, there's a sense of hopelessness. 
And we saw that really in the early aughts, as they say, when you had the opioid epidemic with Oxycontin. But now with fentanyl, it's cheap. It's easy to get. And because it is synthesized, it's synthetic and it comes from China. um, It's there's no shortage of it. There's no stopping it, basically, unless you were to address how it's getting into this country. And it's not getting into this country from Canada. It's getting in from the southern border. That is just a fact. She talked about uh, politicians. She called out politicians who have focused on family separations at the border that happened during the Trump administration. She said, and you talk about children being taken away from their parents. Well, my children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children. Two hundred thousand is both parents are having their children taken away from them. He says, you talk about welcoming those crossing the border seeking protection. You're welcoming drug dealers across our border. You're giving them protection. You're not protecting our children. Now, Homeland Security Committee Chairman Mark Green and DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, it's amazing to me this guy still has a job, but Democrats, in this administration, you fail upward. It's like Mayor Pete. Yeah, the fact that Buttigieg has a job after the disastrous hearing of, of handling of the East Palestine train derailment is amazing. And this little guy, too, you know, <laughs> when he's not wearing his little cosplay highwayman outfit, construction worker outfit with the vest and the hat and the goggles, He's also flying private jets. I actually asked Buttigieg about that. And I get a great answer from Buttigieg. I'll get to in just a moment. But the in this administration, it seems like you really you do f- fail upwards. There's no consequences for whatever you do. I mean, the vice president has destroyed the her handling of the southern border. She was supposed to be the border czar. Does it seem to you like she's done anything on the border that would be remotely uh even close to handling the crisis at the southern border. She hasn't even gone to the southern border. She hasn't even seen it. I don't even know if she knows how to get there. I think she would probably have to ask for directions if she was going down there, I would think. And and I don't think they want her to go either. That's the thing. They, they don't want her to go because the, the, the problem is, and this is the reality with the Democrats today, open borders to them. It's much like these mayors and district attorneys across the country. For them, this is all part of the plan. It's just like how you've got Soros pumping money into candidates like Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, Lori Lightfoot and others around the country to 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 have people who will have soft on crime policies because they look at that as progress. It's the same thing at the border. Having the border open is part of the plan. Not only will it change the characteristics of this country, they also believe it will welcome a lot more Democrat voters. And they also believe that who is America to tell people they can't come here? You think of the likes of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the rest of them who think America is an awful place, terrible, terrible place, filled with racism and misogyny and homophobia and everything else in our colonial past. And yet it's so awful that millions of people yearn to be here a year. But in her mind, given all the terrible things we've done around the world, who the hell are we to say you can't come here? And they really do believe that. And don't forget, Biden told people to come. He did. He said, come here. So they had Title 42 in place which gave the the border patrol it gave customs and border protection to the ability to get people out because of covid now the very same time the biden administration is in court arguing before the justices that student debt repayment is absolutely justifiable under the covid emergency they're also in court arguing that title 42 should not remain on the books because there's no longer a covid emergency They're literally speaking out of both sides of their mouth on this issue. 
And you think about the Solicitor General of the United States, how she's able to keep her mind straight as she walks in a courtroom, this courtroom, and she's got to say, we still have a pandemic emergency going on. That's why you got to repay student loan debt. And across the hall, she goes into the other courtroom. She goes, no, 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 there's no pandemic anymore. So we don't need Title 42 anymore. It's got to be very challenging for her, I would think. I, mean, I have a tough time keeping track of my glasses, my keys, and pretty much I couldn't keep track of both arguments. Imagine if you mess it up, too. You walk in, you go, there's no COVID emergency anymore. And they go, well, this is the student loan hearing. Oh, I mean, uh, no, it's definitely still a thing. Awkward, right? Very awkward. You could just mistake that and get the wrong the wrong room. Here is this mom, and it was very, very heartbreaking, Rebe- Rebecca uh Kiesling testifying on Capitol Hill, uh, cut 33. But 100,000 die every year and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. 100,000 Americans every year are having their children. 200,000 because it's both parents, right? are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. You say, you talk about welcoming those crossing our border, seeking protection. You're welcoming drug dealers across our border. You're giving them protection. You're not protecting our children. It's heartbreaking. It really is. And... Being that I broadcast in Philadelphia and I I see the effects of fentanyl ravaging our streets and the crime situation that goes up, don't mistake. I mean, the crime crisis in America right now, Democrats like to say it's the gun violence crisis. It's not gun violence. Guns don't do anything. Guns are inanimate objects. It's the criminal crisis. But what's driving the criminals? Well, they're using illegal guns. That's the means to the end. And then a lot of them are engaged in in the fentanyl trade. And you've got places in my city like Kensington, open air drug markets, people openly selling this stuff and handing it out. And it's terrifying to think that you just get the wrong, the wrong batch and somebody's going to die. You know, somebody's going to die because they're, they're taking a synthetic drug that came across the border that was manufactured in China and assembled by the Mexican cartels and then distributed by the Mexican cartels. And then that person's life is over because they got, they got the wrong dose. It's it's terrifying. I mean, as a parent, it's terrifying, too. And I I don't get overly concerned about things like rainbow fentanyl and all that stuff. I mean, my kids trick-or-treated this year, and I didn't worry about that. I I tend not to be a guy who overreacts to things either. But I do know that this crisis is very real. There's no question about that. And I see it every day. And if you were to address the situation at the southern border, if you were to declare, say, fentanyl a public health emergency— and use Title 42 for that reason, you could probably kick people out. And you could probably do a better job, at least, of securing the border. But let's face it, we also have a situation right now where you have the drug cartels are very, very powerful. We seem to be limited in our ability to battle them. So on that note today, Lindsey Graham asked Merrick Garland if the Mexican drug cartels should be labeled terrorist uh, organizations. Cut 34. Mexican drug cartels, should they be uh, designated foreign terrorist organizations under U.S. law? Yeah, I think it's the, the same answer I gave before. They are already uh, designated in any number of ways and sanctioned by the Treasury. Would Department. you oppose 
some of us trying to make them foreign terrorist organizations. I wouldn't oppose it, but again, um, I, I want to point out there are diplomatic concerns. We need the assistance of Mexico in this and designating. Is Mexico helping us effectively with our fentanyl? Problem? They are helping us, but they could do much more. There's no question about that. Well, if this is helping, I would hate to see what not helping looks like. Yeah, it's a so point. the bottom line for me is they're not helping, and we need to up our game when it comes to fentanyl. Why isn't Mexico doing more is the question, really. Why isn't that doing more? That, that, that's a question we certainly do need to, to answer, no question. The Mayorkas border crisis is enriching cartels and human traffickers, said Homeland Security Committee Chairman Mark Green. Violent cartel and gang activity is significantly increasing throughout the United States, and illegal drugs continue to pour over the border in massive quantities. Democrats on the committee argue that they were focused on facts and finding solutions to the crisis However, it's hard to really make the case that when the Biden administration's lenient policies have led to a catastrophe at the U.S.-Mexico border, that they're doing a good job with that. No question about it. All right, listen, it's Fox Across America with me, Rich, in for Jimmy. We got a lot to talk about COVID. It's a real thing, isn't it? Oh, you bet. It came from a lab in China. And also, too, we got some great guests coming up. So don't go away. The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here, and you got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, man, you guys are singing my song here, singing my tune from Rocky Four. And I mean, there's a guy in Philly. I got to anytime there's music from Rocky, I got to mention it, obviously. A great scene when Rocky is driving and doing stick shift, which I don't think people know how to drive anymore. I mean, I do, but I don't think they teach it anymore. I think it's a lost art. But in that scene, he's driving. He's seeing all the pictures of his flashbacks from the days of being the guy running on the streets of Philadelphia now to deal with whether or not he's got to take on Ivan Drago. It's a great scene, obviously, great scene. Uh, so listen, we got a lot to talk about here today. We're going to talk to Congressman Russell Fry, a Republican representing South Carolina's 7th District and, of course, a member of the House Judiciary Committee, House Oversight and Reform Committee, a little bit later here on Fox Across America. But a couple of things I wanted to mention for you. Joe Biden can uh, can really creep people out a lot of things, times. He, he can. He's got this ability to just creep people out in a way that nobody else really can. And, and in my mind, I don't know if Joe Biden, when he made his creepy nurse comment yesterday, if, if, I don't know if his mind went someplace. I don't know if he went someplace like, you know, to a sponge bath or where he was going. But it, I was creeped out by it, and I'm sure you were as well. Uh, this is the audio of Joe Biden's creepy nurse story. And in this day and age of Me Too, you, you'd think there'd be some coverage of this, possibly in the mainstream media, the corporate media. But no, you don't get that, obviously. Cut 31. And I had a nurse named Pearl Nelson, military. She'd come in and do things that I don't think you learn in medical school, nursing school. She'd whisper in my ear. I didn't, couldn't understand him. She'd whisper, she'd lean down. She'd actually breathe on me to make sure that I was, that there was a connection, a human connection. She even went home and brought back her pillow from her own bed because she didn't knew the one where I had the one comfortable. But I'm not joking. Mm. Yeah, I wish you were, though. I really do, because that's just a creepy, creepy story. It really is. It's a creepy story. And in my mind, there's a sponge involved. 
and I don't like it. I don't like where my mind goes, and it's just gross. So I wish you'd never told that. But he's a rambling old man, and, and, and not in a good way. He's a rambling old creepy man in a way. And he goes up there, and he tells these stories, and he doesn't make any sense, and people just cringe. And he's been doing this for years, his cringy stories. But it is amazing how nobody calls him out, though, right? I mean, if this were just imagine a Republican standing up there and telling a story of a nurse who's doing things to him that she didn't learn in medical school. There would be a nationwide meltdown over this. Uh, sex, the sexism and how you're subjugating women and nurses and, you know, you're, you're implying that their whole profession's a bunch of uh, prostitutes. And it's just, you know, what Biden says, ah, it's just Uncle Joe. Ha, 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 yucks. We've talked a lot about cancel culture on this show. And I know, obviously, Jimmy talks about it all the time when he's here. Cancel culture is ugly, very ugly. I think part of the reason why Gutfeld is doing so well at 11 o'clock at night, and like I said, Jimmy killed it last week when he filled in for Greg. Part of the reason why is because it's not a woke show. That doesn't mean that it punches you in the face with politics, but it, it offers humor, obviously, of a certain political persuasion. But it, it's not it, – the way that these other shows do it, you know, Colbert and these others, they're every night trying to please their audience, who happens to be a bunch of very dramatic lefties who wear masks in the car by themselves. And that's why that even Colbert could not admit – that the lab leak story was 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 credible. He still had to make jokes about it. And this comes after John Stewart was on his show making jokes about the lab leak theory, which were true that this did come from a lab. But Colbert and these others, they're not funny and they nobody likes them and, and their show's entirely political and that's all they do is politics on their shows. And not in a good way, in a very, very lefty, lefty, annoying way. Bill Maher pointed out to Jake Tapper that, you know, he could get canceled in Two seconds, but he keeps doing what he's doing. Cut 32. My audience who comes to my show now understands me. They think like me. They, are, they have open minds. They're, they're not woke. They're generally liberal, but they can be conservative too. And we have a great time, and there's no groaning, and I love it. But look, any comic in this era, anybody in this era, can absolutely fall off the ledge at any moment. It, it just makes me laugh when people say to me, you know, you're uncancelable. Are you kidding I could, I would, in two seconds, I could get canceled. Anybody could. Yeah, he's not wrong. He's not wrong about that. But the, the good news, though, is that it's, I think there's a wake-up call now, especially when it comes to comedians, that, hey, look, we got to have, we got uh, to hand stop this nonsense. I mean, you see with Roseanne, right? Roseanne's got her special on Fox Nation. Uh, you see the pushback now to the cancel culture that's out there, and we have to push back against it because otherwise it'll keep winning. And it's not a lot of people. It's just it's a small group of people who are very loud on social media. And it's like a uh, like a giant shadow. But if you really were to look at it, it's just a, it's just a little mouse by a light and it looks gigantic, but it's actually just a tiny little mouse. Coming up here on Fox Cross America, let's talk about the lab leak, shall we, with Congressman Russell Fry. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. It is Fox Cross America. Jimmy's off today, but it's me, Rich Zioli, with you from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia, where I host the afternoon drive show every day from 3 to 7 p.m. 
And I want, I'm very excited to welcome to the show today Congressman Russell Fry. He's a Republican representing South Carolina's 7th District and a member of the House Judiciary Committee and a member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee member. Congressman, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing very well, Rich. How are you? It's, it's good to be here. It's good to be here as well. Now, is South Carolina's 7th District, is, is Myrtle Beach part of that? It is. So we're oh. famous for our beaches, our golf, our southern hospitality, and most recently, Chinese spy balloons. Well, then my parents are constituents of yours. They live in Myrtle Beach now. Uh, Barefoot Landing, as a matter of fact. And we go down there and visit them. Love it down there. And, yeah, my mom was actually on the beach reporting on the balloon being shot down in real time to me back in South Jersey. So it's very helpful. Yeah, no, it's uh, I'm excited to hear that they are their residents of the Grand Strand. And, um, you know, it's a great area to, to, to be. And, of course, you know, there was no shortage of people who were who were witnessing uh, this, you know, come down right out of, you know, right off of our shores. Now, Congressman, what do we do about that? I mean, what do you think the, the, the message here, the the um, like going forward with China and this spy balloon and what does it all mean and, and where do we go from here? Yeah, I think the frustrating thing for me, and I think most members of Congress at this point, is why did it take over a week or about a week to to, to take this thing down? I mean, we we knew that it was coming into our country in Alaska, uh, so we you know we wait a week to to deal with the spy balloon, and then we take you know Hobby Lobby balloons uh, after you know it costs fifteen dollars, and we use two missiles to take them down. Uh, almost immediately, I just I think the approach of this administration is frustrating, and you know you've got people in, in uh, really all over that that look at uh, in, in a bipartisan basis that look at China as, as our biggest geopolitical foe, and we just allow them to kind of drag their balloon all across the country. I mean, I, I think there's there's some answers that this administration needs to produce. I don't think they've been really forthright at this point uh, with anybody about the Chinese spy balloon and. I think Congress is is looking at ways to to, to to expose that. Yeah, and I think that when we talk about China, we have to also talk about, of course, COVID and the lab leak and everything like that, because uh, Christopher Wray, the FBI director, yesterday acknowledged that he thinks the origins of the pandemic probably came from the lab incident in Wuhan. He said the FBI has folks who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats, which include things like novel viruses, like COVID. What, what do you make of his comments, Congressman? Well, I mean, my gosh, it finally took them to acknowledge what we have been saying for years. I mean, you think about this, Rich, and how much gaslighting and demonization conservatives had uh, against them for even whispering that, uh, that, that I think President Trump was called a xenophobe. I mean, just it, it's remarkable. And, and of course, we were right. We were right about the efficacy of masks. Uh, you know, concerns about vaccines, Twitter suppression of doctors uh, that, that had a different narrative than the CDC. It, it's just a continual theme that we're seeing that, that our government is, is really not working for us right now, that they're that they're that they kind of cover these things up. And here we go. I'm glad that it's out there. But we've been saying that for you have been saying that your listeners have been saying that for years. 
Yeah, yeah, we have. And and I March of 2020, and then they call this racist. They call this racist conspiracy theorist for pushing the lab leak theory. And it's not just that, right? I mean, Congressman, whether it was masking, whether it was concerns about uh, vaccine mandates, w- all of it, they, they just completely went after us, silenced us, uh, tried to censor us. And for that, I'm grateful that you and your Republican colleagues are looking into the FBI, looking into the weaponization of government, looking into, as, as a, a member of the House Oversight Committee uh, and Reform Committee, looking into the ways in which our government has colluded with big tech, colluded with the corporate media, really to silence us as conservatives. No, I, th- I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we, we have we have been down this road for far too long. You know, when you see the demonization coming out, look, call, call it what it is. I mean, and, and if you don't know, that's fine, too. But my gosh, uh, this information would have been useful. Think about the cover-up that's been happening uh, over the last two years, I mean, you know, this is kind of tampering of evidence if you think about it from a trial perspective. You know, the Chinese government has had two years to basically cover their tracks. You know, we could have been investigating this years ago, but the administration never wanted to do that. Democrats in Congress never wanted to do that. And now we're we're, we're trying to play catch up, and, and I'm glad that it's out there. We've suspected it for a long time, but, you know, I worry about, you know, how much cover-up has happened that we're not going to be able to find out about. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right about that fact. As we think about the classified intelligence report that was recently provided to the White House, key members of Congress, as the reason for the conclusion, I know a number of your colleagues in the Senate have, have called for all of those classified documents to be released to the American people. I, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be. No, I think you're exactly right. We, we need to we, – I think the American people expect to see this. Uh, we've upended their lives uh, for, for two years. Uh, we've locked – you know, kids out of schools. We lock things down. We shut down businesses. I mean, we really changed dramatically the trajectory of this country. I think they deserve answers. And I think they deserve accurate, truthful answers. Yeah. Well, we get them. I mean, that's really the question, right? There's so many forces that that want to stop it. I think more important than anything, the fact that the Republicans have the majority and the oversight function. I mean, I think you are on the most consequential committee. I mean, obviously, there's a probes, no question about the rules committee. But I think oversight and reform right now at this particular moment, Congressman, when we've got so much of our federal government that's just been off the rails and targeting citizens, whether it was working with big tech to silence the Hunter Biden laptop story or to silence the lab leak theory. If there's ever been a time right now for oversight and reform, it's right now at this moment because the administrative state, Congressman Fry, has just gotten way too out of control. No, I think, you again, you're, you're spot on. Look, you, for the last two years, Democrats had the, the levers of power. They never wanted to investigate any of these things. And some of the stuff, again, you go to, you know, we were just at the border. Uh, these things hit home to every American. It's not just a red issue or a blue issue. It's a red, white, and blue issue. And, you know, to, to have zero oversight, that's the function. That's a huge function of any Congress, Republican or Democrat, is to look at the ways in which the administration is doing or not doing its job in this case. Uh, so I think you're right. The, the the oversight committee, the judiciary committee, the capabilities from that perspective, uh, really uncovering this uh, and showing the American people what is going on. Uh, it, it's it's a very important time to be um, serving on those committees. When you look at the situation at the border right now, and you think about Mayorkas, I mean, this guy is just the worst. It's amazing he has a job. But I guess a lot of people in this administration, I'm always amazed they still have a job. You know, the Secretary of Transportation, after his amazing handling of East Palestine, how these people still have jobs is beyond me. 
No, I, I, we were just in Yuma, and it was a, it was remarkable to see that the county uh, administrator or supervisor, you know, had a conversation with my Mayorkas very early that they were going to finish portions of the wall down there in Yuma, that they were going to, you know, make sure that the, that the communities were safe, and, and none of that has happened. I and mean, if you drive down there, you still see, you know, the the empty. Uh, fence materials, border barrier materials sitting on the ground next to where the wall should be. And, um, you know, they have cartel activity. They have, you know, uh, high-speed chases going through agricultural fields. I mean, you have a, a community that's dramatically impacted because of the border crisis that this administration has brought. I mean, you, you this it didn't used to be like this. When you talk to Border Patrol agents who say, five years ago, my job was to go round up people who were kind of quietly – uh, or trying to quietly enter the country, and now they line up at the gate and wait for Border Patrol to process them and put them on a bus. This isn't who we are. Uh, this isn't what we're supposed – we're supposed to enforce the law. Uh, and the biggest frustration, you talk to any immigrant who's done it lawfully, they look at this as a, as a farce. They, they went through all this time and expense to do it the right way. We're a welcoming country, but my gosh, we cannot continue to see these numbers as this administration has produced, because they haven't enforced the laws, the laws that we have. And we, we also have now uh, non-citizens will be able to vote in Washington, D.C. That, that's just offensive. Uh, it, 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 it's a mockery of our election process. When you think about um, the, the Chinese embassy now has a vote in Washington, D.C., and this is a group of people who want to be the 51st state, I don't think so. Yeah, and they do, right? Of course, Congressman Fry, I mean, that's ultimately the goal. Congressman Fry is with me right now from South Carolina. He's a member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee as well as the Judiciary Committee. I mean, that's ultimately the goal that Democrats have, right? Make D.C. the 51st state, kill the filibuster, and then just just run the tables on everything in Washington. Right. It's all about power. When they have it, they flex it. And uh, returning balance, I mean, you know, part of the effort this year, Rich, was, you know, returning the House of Representatives to a deliberative body so that members can have a say on the floor. I mean, they shut this thing down. It's it's a power grab from top to bottom. They ch- they fundamentally changed what the House of Representatives is. It just basically became a rubber stamp for the Biden administration and Nancy Pelosi on whatever they wanted with zero input from average members like me. Uh, or or average Democrat members. I mean, she wielded so much clout, and they just ran through this stuff. It's 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 obscene trying to clean up the mess uh, that they have made over the last two years. Last question I want to ask you: Do you think, as part of the oversight committee, do you plan to go after Fauci, hold him accountable for the gain of function research, and how that correlates to the Wuhan Institute of Virology? I think that's coming. I think that the you know there are a lot of questions of Fauci and others. I think Chairman um, Jim Jordan said, you know, be prepare yourself. We got a seat warming up for you. Um, so those things are those are ongoing. And obviously, the stuff that's coming out now is 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 really good to finally see uh, that the the American people see. But they still have a lot of questions about this, the funding mechanisms to the to the Wuhan lab um, from top to bottom. Questions about mask efficacy and all these things that were peddled out there for so long, and a changing narrative. I mean, we went from don't wear a mask to wear a mask to wear two to if you're vaccinated, you don't have to. Uh, and really jerking the American people around for the better part of two years. There are a lot of questions that people still have that, that I have and that the committee has moving forward. Good. Well, we all look forward to those answers and we thank you for your time today. Congressman Russell Fry, who represents my parents in Congress, uh, South Carolina, 7th District. Follow him on Twitter at Russell Fry SC. Thanks, Congressman. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rich. Have a great day.
And we'll be right back here on Fox Across America. Don't go away. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That's my name. Don't wear it out. So what exactly did the FBI Director Christopher Wray say yesterday? Confirming what we've all known, confirming all of our deepest suspicions. Yeah, you know, it's uh, pretty obvious even when Bill Gates uh, now has to walk back what he said, that it came from bats. I personally have never thought this idea of a bat burger was ever what caused COVID-19. I couldn't have ever imagined in my lifetime that we'd actually have to prove that it came from a lab because i think it was just so obvious the fact that it was just close the wuhan institute of virology next to the wet market and i always remember too back then how it was racist to suggest that it came from a lab but not racist to suggest that the evil like the, like the filthy eating habits of the people of wuhan that caused the pandemic that's not racist to say that that they eat raw bat and raw pangolin but if you say it might have leaked out of a lab accidentally that somehow was that was racist and by the way, I'm not saying it was accidental. I just don't know. But here's some of the going back in time here, looking at all the nonsense. And there's so much spin on all this. Here's Bill Gates back in May of 2022. <laughs> uh, just a classic, classic right here. Cut 14. It's quite clear in this case that it came across through animals. Mm-hmm. And almost all our diseases like HIV crossed over from chimpanzees in Africa quite some time ago. Ebola came from bats. Uh, this also, uh, with one step in between, came uh, from bats. So it's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. Bats. Where are those bats? Where are those bats? Have we ever found those ba- those bats? Where? where? They said it might have been from a, from a horseshoe bat that was a thousand miles from the wet market, but somehow I guess the bat flew here to become somebody's lunch. Yeah, just never actually believed that for a second. And then, of course, because it was the Department of Energy that came back and concluded this, that you get all the snarky little jokes from people on the left, who, who, who were the ones out there saying that it could never have come from a lab, that it was racist to suggest that it came from a lab. Like, here's Hassan Minaj, Minaji, I don't know if I'm saying that right, The Daily Show. I haven't even heard of this guy. I, the Daily Show has not been funny since Jon Stewart was on The Daily Show. Jon Stewart, by the way, a guy, a guy who uh, effectively mocked the idea that COVID came from a wet market, very funny how he did it. And this is what's not funny. This is what this guy from The Daily Show said, cut 13. But here's the key detail everybody's forgetting while they got the Twitter fingers. The Energy Department is one of nine intelligence groups that have assessed COVID's origins. Two have said lab leak. Five say it came out of natural causes. And two say they don't know. And you know what? I personally side with them. I don't know what the f*** is going on. FBI says this, NIC says that. I'm holding out until the DMV chimes in. Ah, that's, that's funny. What does the FBI say, actually? <laughs> you tell the audience is just pain. This guy's not funny. Minaj. I got I to write the first time Josh tells me. Uh, what did the FBI director say yesterday? Well, here is FBI director Christopher Ray. Cut six. So, uh, as you note, Brett, uh, the FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. 
let me step back for a second. You know, the FBI has folks, agents, professionals, analysts, virologists, microbiologists, et cetera, who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats. So here you're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans, and that's precisely what that capability uh, was designed for. Well, you know, that's a problem, right? Don't you think? From a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans, and that's precisely what that capability was designed for? Hmm? Like, in other words, maybe China did it on purpose? I do think the timing of this has always been very interesting. It came out during the Military World Games back in September of 2019, the fall of 2019. And I don't know. I mean, just a just a big old coincidence that COVID first hit the streets when our military was over there for the Military World Games. Like, whoa, what a coincidence. Or maybe that's the day that some, some guy ordered the medium-rare bat burger with a side of pangolin fries. I don't know. Who knows? I guess we'll never really know. Here's more of the FBI director. China's done its best to thwart this whole thing. Cut seven. I should add that, uh, that our work related to this continues. And there are not a whole lot of details I can share that aren't, aren't classified. I will just make the observation that the Chinese government seems to me has been doing its best to try to thwart and obfuscate uh, the work here, the work that we're doing, the work that our U.S. government and, and close foreign partners are doing. Um, and that's unfortunate for everybody. It's unfortunate for everybody. If you think that this was not done in conjunction with the Chinese military in that lab and that it also wasn't paid for by Fauci and his buddies. Remember, if you look at the timeline of this, it was February 2020 when the Chinese ambassador to the United States was on with Margaret Brennan on CBS Face the Nation. And he said at that time that to, to bring up the lab leak idea would lead to people getting beat up in the streets, would lead to racism and everything like this and hysteria. China set the stage for this to be the wet market and for everybody to bash the lab leak theory. And our media went right along with it. I got so much more on this for you. And Senator Marsha Blackburn will stop by. It's Rich in for Jimmy. We're coming right back. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is hour number three here on Fox Across America. Thanks for letting me hang out with you this afternoon since Jimmy's off. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you from Talk Radio 1210 WBHE in Philadelphia, where I am about to host my own show starting at 3 o'clock, 3 until 7. You can listen live on the Odyssey app if you like. We are one of Jimmy's affiliates. In fact, Fox Cross America airs the best of, the best of, every Saturday, twice on Saturdays on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. So, great. This hour, we're going to talk to Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. I'm excited to have that conversation. But let's talk about a couple things, uh, a couple developments real quick that have happened today with Christopher, excuse me, Merrick Garland before the Senate Oversight Committee. Josh Hawley went after him in a big, big way about the FBI's continued use of showing up at the homes of people like Mark Houck in Pennsylvania. Guns drawn, guns blazing, battering rams to intimidate the hell out of these pro-lifers. And I know Mark Houck. He's been on my show before in Philly, and he's a great guy. And he's a father of seven he was accused of, and Mike Lee brought this up too today to the, to the Attorney General. He was accused 
of potentially now pushing a Planned Parenthood escort, somebody who escorts women into these clinics. So the local district attorney in Philadelphia, Larry Krasner, who is a kook, denied, declined to prosecute him. So think about it. A, a kooky, lefty, leftist prosecutor in Philadelphia. I should never say prosecutor. He's not a prosecutor. District attorney. He's really a defense attorney, but his title is district attorney. A guy who's taking George Soros money. Declines to prosecute this pro-life guy for allegedly assaulting a Planned Parenthood escort. Okay. The feds charge him, and they come to his house on a Sunday morning with 15 guns, all aimed at him, a battering ram, a bunch of SUVs, guys in their little FBI cosplay vests and everything like this, and they scare the, the, the bejesus out of his family. And he said, I was treated like a terrorist. I felt like I was, they shackled him, shackles and chains. Remember the old days when you would expect that the FBI would maybe knock on somebody's door in a movie or TV show or something and say, you know, you got to come with us. He even offered to turn himself in. But they wanted to make the show a force. Because there's an old saying, and that is that the process is the punishment. The process is the punishment. So they knew they were never going to actually get him. They knew that. Because it was a weak case. The charges were BS. But they wanted to make an example out of him. An example out of him like they do to so many people who are pro-lifers in this country. In fact... What Senator Josh Hawley said today was, he said, you used an unbelievable show of force with guns that I just note liberals usually decry. You're happy to deploy them against Catholics and innocent children. It's scary, and they're doing more of this. In fact, Merrick Garland today said that the Department of Justice has prosecuted more pro-lifers for peaceful protests at abortion clinics than domestic terrorists firebombing pregnancy resource centers, because ready, the pro-lifers are doing it during the day and the centers are being bombed at night. Got it? Unbelievable. So I'm glad that finally they asked those questions today, but they've got to do a lot more to get to the bottom of the FBI targeting conservatives. It's just like with the moms, too. Remember that school board letter? When Merrick Garland sent out that letter saying to the moms and the dads who go to school board meetings, you might be a domestic terrorist. You might be a domestic violent extremist. So we're going to be watching you. The whole purpose of that was intimidation. They weren't really going to have FBI agents in the back of a school board meeting. But just think of the notion of that, right? I mean, you have school board meetings in your town, I assume. And who handles the, if there is an incident, who, who comes? Local police, Right. Very few school boards, I imagine, have their own law enforcement agencies attached to them, maybe in big cities. I don't know. But typically, if you have a problem, the local cops come. So if there is somebody who's belligerent at a school board meeting, you just call the police. They just come and arrest the person. It's not that complicated. But Merrick Garland made it, as my dad used to always say, a fed, I sound like Joe Biden right now. As my dad used to always say, Joey, no, my dad was, uh, he was in law enforcement. He's a retired lieutenant, police lieutenant. And he always used to say to me when we were kids, he'd say, don't make a federal case out of this. That was his big thing. Don't make a federal case out of this. But they literally made a federal case out of moms and dads going to school board meetings and complaining about things like mask mandates, school lockdowns, all the COVID nonsense. But that's because the process is the punishment. They want to intimidate you into silence. Silencio, because maybe you have a nice job standing in your community. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to lose your job. You don't want people thinking anything of you. If suddenly now a bunch of big black SUVs show up in front of your door and a bunch of guys in vests and flak jackets come with guns drawn. 
It doesn't look good in the neighborhood. But this is what the Department of Justice has been doing, and they just went after another round of pro-lifers for allegedly violating this Access to Abortion Clinics Act. And these people have done nothing wrong, but this is an administ- this is a Department of Justice that is clearly using its power, clearly using its power for political purposes. And we see that all the time. That's why the weaponization of government committee is so important. That subcommittee is so incredibly important. Because in, in, until we get to the bottom of that, we have no chance here. We have no chance of ever really taking back our country because they do this thing. It's a collusion between government, big tech, and the corporate media. I call it the unholy triad, the three of them working together in tandem to make sure that the government's message wins and that you are, you are silenced. And then when everybody's proven right, you turn around and go, well, wait a second, wait a second. Didn't we tell you this? Didn't, didn't we bring all this up at one point and you guys shut us down and told us we couldn't say anything? It's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens. Dr. Marty McCarry nailed it, as he often does. He does a great job of uh, calling out the BS and calling out the absolute distortion, I would say, of what happens in our government. And he talked about this in, at great length of all of the COVID things that you would get censored for, which have now been proven to be true. All the things that had you said these things at one point, your, your own government would have come after you. And he said the greatest perpetrator of information during the pandemic has actually been, you guessed it, your government. Here's Dr. Marty McCarry testifying on Capitol Hill. Cut nine. The greatest perpetrator of misinformation during the pandemic has been the United States government. We've seen something which is unforgivable, and that is the weaponization of medical research itself. The data has now caught up in giant systematic reviews, and the public health officials were intellectually dishonest. They lied to the American people. Now, why would they do such a thing like that? Huh? These people are supposed to be our friends. <laughs> These people are supposed to be our buddies. Why would they lie to us like this? Huh? I don't understand it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. He also pointed out something, and that is that two top virologists warned Fauci about the lab leak in 2020 but change their tunes days later in the media, and then both scientists received $9 million subsequent funding from the National Institutes of Health. Again, I'm sure that that's just a coincidence, don't you think? Obviously, a total coincidence. It's not like those things, it's not like they would they would shut their mouths and change their tune because they wanted $9 million in funding. D- duh. Here's uh, what was also said today by... Let's see if I can find this for you. Russ Botticera. Let's see if I can find that quote. There was another great quote that was. There were a lot of great quotes that were that were offered up, but but Macari deserves a medal. Here's an observation that was made by Susan Page of USA Today regarding what the FBI director said vis-a-vis COVID and COVID. And for me, his points about the lab leak, and this is what I think is very very much the takeaway here. So here you're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans, and that's precisely what that capability was designed for. Whoa. Cut number eight. He is capable of dodging a question. As we saw. As we saw it in response to some other questions. He did not dodge uh, this question. And so while I, I think you cannot yet say there's a consensus because there are still agencies and officials 
who uh, do the animal transfer uh, argument with this. This is enormously important in our efforts to avoid having this happen again. And also, are we going to hold China responsible? No. Not with this president, we're not. Not with Joe Biden in the helm. I mean, the guy's owned by China. He's owned by Ukraine, too. So, of course, we're not going to hold him responsible. No. There's no chance of that. Do you realize that we never, ever, 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 ever set foot inside the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the WIV, as I call it? We've never been inside the WIV since COVID. We have no plans to go to the WIV. We're not even going to do a a, a tour. (laughs) Nothing. We're certainly not going to get to the bottom of this. And as long as these agencies can come out and and they can give the slightest indication that maybe there's a chance it could still be from a bat burger, an undercooked bat burger at the wet market in Wuhan, then the lefties will pounce on that and go, oh, you see now it's still it still may be a racist conspiracy theory to say it came from the lab. This is the game that's played in order to protect China. I got asked a question before. Why why was it the media went all in the corporate media went all in? on just completely shutting down the conversation regarding the lab leak theory. It's all about money. It's always about money. Just follow the money. I, I, ABC, for example, is owned by Disney. ABC Disney China. I mean, how many screens and how many streaming customers are in China? Facebook, Google, they make all their money there. When the Chinese ambassador said back in February of 2020, listen, if you say this came from us, the Chinese ambassador to the United States, if you say this came from us, you're going to really cause a lot of people to uh, basically be racist. And you're going to cause a lot of people to get hurt. China never wanted to own the lab, obviously. And so everybody in the media in this country, the corporate media, went along with that to please their customer of China. And guys like Stephen Colbert, they crack me up. Because if you remember when John Stewart was on with Stephen Colbert back in October of 2022... And I love this routine he did, and I think it was spot on then. It's spot on now. Cut 16. There's a chance that this was created in a lab. There's an investigation. A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease... <laughs> is the same name as the lab. (laughs) How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. But for that, Jon Stewart said in a podcast he was called racist, he was called anti-Asian, and he was even called alt-right. But that doesn't. But the fact that the energy department came out and concluded that it came from a lab does that stop Stephen Colbert from making his snarky little quote unquote jokes that are not funny? Of course not. He's a lefty. He's got to do what lefties do. He's got to push the message. It's what it's what his job is. I think he works for one of these big corporations. I'm talking about Cut 15. The Department of Energy released a new report saying a lab leak is the most likely origin of the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, there it is. Chinese wet markets, you're off the hook. Let's order a round of pangolin poppers for the table. I love a nice plate of wet apps. Now, if you're, if you're some, can we get some civet fingers, please? Now, if like me, you're wondering why the Department of Energy is the one making this judgment, it's because that agency oversees a network of U.S. national laboratories, some of which 
conduct advanced biological research. No, no. <laughs> Bad energy department. No bio labs until you finish building your electric car charging stations. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. There you go. Uh, Total hack. Total lefty hack doing what lefty hacks do. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Jimmy. We got Senator Marsha Blackburn coming up. Don't go away. It's the number one show with humans and animals. Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'll tell you, though, as I think about all of the uh, nonsense that's out there today with regards to Fauci, and we may never know the origins of the pandemic, he says. And, you know, you think about what I talked about with the congressman last hour. Uh, we, we got a seat uh, warmed up for you here, Fauci. We got a seat ready for you to come on in and chat, have a little, uh, little chit-chat. The fact that those guys back in February of 2020 thought early on that this looked like something that could come from a lab and then magically all of a sudden concluded definitively that it, there's no way it came from a lab. It had to come from a wet market, except there was no evidence that it came from a wet market. Tells you everything you need to know about why this was a massive, massive cover-up. And Fauci's still doing his thing. He's still doing the nonsense. He said to the Boston Globe today or yesterday or whenever he said this, uh, cut 10. We must all keep an open mind as to all possibilities. The data that uh, evolutionary virologists have submitted uh, and published in peer-reviewed journals rather strongly suggests that it was a natural occurrence. There appears to be obviously a disagreement. You have to look at the data. Uh, I don't see any data for a lab leak. I don't see any data for a lab leak, okay? There you go. I don't see any data for a lab leak. How, what, what were you looking? What are you not seeing that the FBI is seeing and the Department of Energy is seeing and just people with common freaking sense are seeing? But this is part again. Again, this is this is the cover up of this administration. There's two reasons to cover this up. Number one, we do not want to hold China accountable because Joe Biden is bought and paid for by China. Number two, we don't want to have to hold Fauci and his little uh, gang of of merry bundlers and furin cleavage site twinkers because that's what they did. They they tinkered with the furin cleavage site through gain of function research and we don't want to hold any of them accountable so we're still playing games here's john kirby here's admiral john kirby who's the spokesman for the national security council cut 11 well let's, let's not get ahead of where we are in the process right now we, we there is not a consensus on what caused covid to start the president wants to understand that so we can prevent better future pandemics he's made that a priority and i just don't we don't have an answer to speak to and i certainly so given that we don't have a consensus, it would be foolish for me to get out ahead of speculation on hypothetical situations to come. We just aren't there yet. Just not there yet. Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesperson, also playing the same little game so that we don't have to hold China accountable. You don't have to hold Fauci accountable and his little band of merry gain of function researchers. Cut 12. 
Right now, there is no consensus. There is no consensus. You heard this from Jake Sullivan yesterday. You heard this from my colleague just moments ago. And we are going to do everything that we can. The president is asking his team to do everything that they can uh, to figure out where it originated because of what could potentially happen next, because of the potential of having another pandemic. And I think that's what's most important. That's what the American people should have confidence in, is that you have a president that wants to get to the bottom of this. Does he really? Does he want to get to the bottom of this? Do you feel like he wants to get to the bottom of this? Do you, do you feel confident that this president wants to get to the bottom of this? Come on, do you? Because that's funny. The only thing Joe Biden wants to get to the bottom of is his pudding at about 530 every day. And that's about it. There's no way he runs again in 2024. I don't see it. The tell the other day was when Joe Biden came out and said something to the effect of, well, you know, it's whatever Joe wants to do, but he's accomplished so much. And that's why I think he's not running again, because Ukraine is his legacy and he'll just go and spend whatever it takes, billions and trillions and jillion dollars. And but I don't think he runs again. Do you? This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy's off, but it's me, Rich Zioli, with you. Senator Marsha Blackburn's coming up. Don't go away. It is Fox Across America. Jimmy's off today, but it's great to be hanging out with you this afternoon. I will be doing my afternoon drive show in Philadelphia after this. Feel free to listen on the Odyssey app at Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. You can follow me on Twitter, if you like, at Rich Zioli. A couple of uh, comments I wanted to make on the student debt relief, as they call it, arguments for the United States Supreme Court yesterday. And, and this is the key point. And I think that Justice Clarence Thomas put it best when he said, does this not amount essentially to an appropriation? You know, the statute that they're referring to, this 2003 HEROES Act, doesn't say anything in there about canceling debt. It says there could be waivers and modifications, but it doesn't say anything about canceling. So the question becomes, isn't this really something that is Congress's job to do? If Congress wants to come up with an appropriation of $400 billion to a $1 trillion, because the cost ranges— well, then that's up to the legislative branch. But the executive branch can't spend that much money without it being appropriated by the legislature, and that's what this is. It's a massive appropriation. And I thought Justice Thomas nailed it when he said that yesterday. Here's uh, This is from Justice Chief Justice John Roberts yesterday as he was commenting along during the oral arguments, cut 26. In an opinion we had a few years ago uh, by Justice Scalia, he talked about what what the word modify means. And uh, he said modified, in our view, connotes moderate change. He said it might be good English to say that the French Revolution modified the status of the French nobility, but only because there's a figure of speech called understatement and a literary device known as sarcasm. We're talking about half a trillion dollars uh, and 43 million Americans. How does that fit under the normal understanding of modifying. You think because there's a provision to allow waiver when your school closes, that because of that, Congress shouldn't have been surprised when half a trillion dollars is wiped off the books? Justice Neil Gorsuch followed up on this, too, and this is really the, the cost of fairness, which is a which is a very important point. And this is something we've been mentioning throughout the show today. Is it really fair to the guy who's an iron worker who didn't go to college and he's got to pay off somebody's student loan debts for some graduate degree in advanced pottery? No, of course not. 
This is also why the Democrat Party has become the party of the coastal elites and the faculty lounges. And that's not me saying that. I mean, no, I just said it. But James Carville said that the raging Cajun, the guy who, along with George Stephanopoulos, helped elect President Clinton. He's the one who said today's Democrat Party has become the party of faculty lounges and coastal elites. You know, they're more concerned with making people happy who use phrases like Latin X, which nobody uses, by the way, outside of the faculty lounge, than they are about appealing to the blue-collar men and women of this country. And I think the student loan scam is the biggest justification to prove his point. Because there's a lot of blue-collar working people out there. Maybe you're listening to me right now. You're driving a truck. You're working with your hands for a living. You're a cop, you're a fireman, whatever. You didn't, you didn't go to college, and now you've got to pay somebody else's student loan debt. Why don't they pay off your truck? Why don't they pay off your mortgage? Why don't they do any of those things for you, huh? And this is what really fairness comes into question here, cut 27. What I think they argue that is missing is cost to other persons in terms of fairness, for example, people who've paid their loans, people who um, don't ha- ha- have planned their lives around not seeking loans um, and people who are not eligible for loans in the first place, and that a half a trillion dollars is being diverted to one group of favored persons over others. I think that's the nature of their argument, in addition to, as you point out, the cost of the FISC. The- I didn't see anything in the memorandum that dealt with those kinds of questions. And if there is something, I'd be appreciative if you could point me to it. There isn't. That's why she can't, because there's nothing fair about this. Politically, it's stupid for the Democrats in the long term, but in the short term, it makes sense. It's a payoff. It's a bribe. In the old days, you had to stuff a bag with cash and you had to give it to them at a diner. Nowadays, you just grant them all. I'll just pay off your student loans to a two and a four hundred billion to a trillion dollars. But it's the same thing. You're buying people off. It's a gigantic bribe is what it is to a very specific group of people. College graduates in blue areas of this country, so they keep voting Democrat. That's all this scam is. It's not helping poor people. It's not helping working people. The overwhelming majority of the people that are going to benefit from this are going to be making a lot of money because they have college degrees and graduate degrees. So their earning potential is going to be very high. Olivia Dalton was aboard. She's the White House Deputy Press Secretary on Air Force One. On the question of why the White House didn't release the student debt cancellation plan earlier, cut 28. The bottom line is we're confident in our legal authority, which is why we've taken the case all the way to the Supreme Court. On behalf of 40 million Americans who need a little bit more breathing room, who need an opportunity to get back on their feet uh, coming out of this pandemic and preparing to restart uh, their loan payments. Uh, so, you know, we are focused on uh, on uh, on that. We're focused on and we're confident in our legal authority to carry out this program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK, so they're confident on that. But these people who need relief as we're coming out of the pandemic, a little relief so they can pay back their loans. They haven't had to make a payment for three years, literally three years with no interest. So what, what are they worried about? Why can't they do it now? And here's Chuck Schumer lying on the floor of the United States Senate. The uh, Senate Majority Leader, Cut Schumer, saying something that's absolutely not true. Cut 30. Ninety percent, 90 percent of the relief going to out-of-school borrowers will go to those earning less than $75,000 a year. This isn't a handout to the wealthy. Far from it. This is critical relief to working and middle-class families. 
No, it's not actually, not at all, because the people they may be making less than $75,000 now as they graduate from college, but that's for many of them starting salaries. And they're going to be making hundreds of thousands of dollars going forward. Many of them with advanced graduate degrees, and I got to pay their loans back. No, thank you. I'm good. I'm I'm really good. There's nothing fair about this. There's also nothing constitutional about this either. It is a clear overstep by the executive branch of government. This is something for Congress, which they even admitted Congress had to do. Nancy Pelosi said that. Joe Biden even said that at one point. Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden both said what we know is true. The president can't just do this on his own. This is Fox Across America. Senator Marsha Blackburn, my guest straight ahead. Don't go away. The show that solves problems the old-fashioned way. You and me are going to fight when that bell rings at 3 o'clock. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fox Across America. Jimmy's off today, but it's me, Rich Zioli, with you from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And it is great to be with you on this busy, busy Wednesday. And great to welcome back to the show Senator Marsha Blackburn. Of course, she serves on the Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee, Senate Judiciary Committee, Senate Finance Committee, Senate Veteran Affairs Committee. And she represents, of course, the great state of Tennessee. Hey, Senator, thanks for making time today. You got it. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. A lot to talk about. So I guess we'll start with your role on the Senate Science and Transportation Committee. There's a lot there, too. Thoughts on the revelation that COVID came from a lab in China? Yes. You know, what we are looking at is this... um, You know, they tried to tell us it was conspiracy theory for those of us that said, hey, you know, there's this lab in Wuhan and they're doing coronavirus research and EcoHealth Alliance is involved in that. NIAD is involved in that. And we hear that they may also be doing some bioweapons research. And maybe you ought to look at this lab and see if it was a leak, whether it was intentional or unintentional. And then, of course, you know, you had three physicians from the lab that died because of this exposure. You had others that say this came from the lab. Our diplomatic scientists had questioned what was happening in that lab. But then you had the World Health Organization in cahoots with the Chinese Communist Party. You had social media who was really giving voice to whatever Dr. Fauci said was going to be the word of the day uh, on coronavirus. So the American people were left without somebody to look after them and getting to the bottom of this. Where did this virus come from and what was this all about? Yeah, and, and, and I'm really, really particularly focused on this censorship of the American people, people like me, people like you, who are calling this out the whole time, and yet Twitter and Facebook and social media entities and corporate media, they, they all colluded to, to silence our voices, Senator. Yes, indeed. It was big media and big tech working together. And, of course, we see this from the Twitter files and from some of the whistleblowers, the conversations that took place between Dr. Fauci and some of those, um, the, the gods of Silicon Valley, if you will, that are out there trying to control what we 
see and what we hear and thereby what we say and what we think and how we vote. And uh, they had their message on uh, what they wanted to give, uh, information they wanted to give about COVID-19 and everything else was going to be classified as misinformation or disinformation. I want to change gears uh, for a second, Senator, if I could. You, you filed an amicus brief challenging the ATF pistol brace rule, and I'm glad you're doing this, but can you tell us what that rule is and what it would do to millions of law-abiding Americans? Well, what it would do to millions of law-abiding Americans is to compromise their ability to exercise freely their Second Amendment rights. And what we know is that this ATF, this administration, the left, are trying to take away your Second Amendment rights. And uh, think about it like this. The Second Amendment is the only one of our articulated freedoms uh, reserved to us. But in order to exercise that right, you've got to go get a license from a local official. And what we are very cognizant of is standing against anything that would, in essence, um, would uh, impede on that right that is yours. Yeah, and, and this is, again, what we talk about, right? I mean, we have a federal government, whether it's the ATF, the Department of Justice, we, we have a government that continues to go after its own citizens, weaponizing, as you put it on Twitter, Senator, uh, Merrick Garland has weaponized the Department of Justice to a point we've, we've never seen before. You asked a lot of good questions today as he was sitting there during the hearing on Twitter, and you should follow the senator at Marsha Blackburn. You know, why did Merrick Garland deploy the FBI to raid SWAT style, the home of a Catholic pro-life activist who's not far from where I am, Senator, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania? He told me he's been on my radio show in Philly. He told me that was the scariest day of his life in front of his kids, in front of his wife. They treated him like a terrorist, shackles and chains. And it was just absolutely disgraceful what they did to him. Well, it was disgraceful what they did to him. And what I really went at Merrick Garland about today is the way they have two tiers of justice. It is one for most of the people in America and another tier of justice for the elites in Washington, D.C. And we know that they have continued to make decisions not based on the rule of law, but on the rule of what is good for them and their friends. And Merrick Garden has Merrick Garland has really moved in a very political manner. And of course, he took issue with me pointing out that he seemed to make political decisions and decisions that would further this leftist uh, agenda of Joe Biden. But what we need to just keep in mind, is that he is choosing uh, how he wants to override the FBI and when he wants to override the FBI. He is taking authority that he has not been given either by federal statutes or by the Constitution and beginning to make these discretions. He has a lot of discretion. But he uh, is beginning to make decisions that you have to say that's not equal treatment. Um, we had a 
nice discussion today about how he has gone after pro-life uh, protesters, peaceful protesters, and is uh, going after them, has indicted some of them. But this group, Jane's Revenge, that um, put a firebomb into a pregnancy center in Nashville, uh, he hasn't gone after them. He said he could. He didn't know who they were or where to find them. I told him that I had a letter coming to him that was going to give him uh, some of their Twitter information. They're very active social media. I don't know why the FBI is not able to go find these people. Yeah, you you mentioned that they're, they're, they're actually spray painting their names on the wall, but Merrick Garland has no clue and can't find them. This, this is the FBI. The, the Department of That's Justice right. can't find them? That's, it was silly. It was silly for him to say that. And then also to say, well, you know, it's easier when people are protesting during the day. We can see them. It's easier yeah. Uh, to find them, and it's harder to find people that are committing crimes at night. I said, I think the FBI knows how to investigate crimes at night. But here's the thing. He kind of tripped himself up on that a little bit because he said that in reference to the pro-life protesters. But then I said, you know, these people protesting out of the outside the justices' houses, they were protesting in the daylight, they were putting things on social media, but you still haven't apprehended them for being in violation of federal code. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well said. Last question I want to ask you, Senator. Do you think we'll get to the bottom of the whole issue when Merrick Garland sent out that letter really to intimidate moms and dads with at, at school board meetings? I think we're going to keep uh, asking him that question over and over and over. He says he, says he did not do that. He says that he did not participate in writing that, that his staff didn't participate in writing that, that the White House didn't participate in writing that. But we have other people who said they were all involved. Well, listen, keep up the great work. We appreciate it. it, Senator. Oh, go ahead, Senator. No, you got it. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Senator Marsha Blackburn, thank you so much for coming on Fox Across America. Uh, Good. You know, the oversight is the most important thing we can do here. It really is. The oversight committee, the oversight function. Uh, The Republicans need to keep doing a great job. I thought today's hearing was was a good step in that direction. I hope the House Republicans will do it as well because we, we've got to hold him accountable. We've got to get answers, and we can't relent until that happens because this is, a, this is an administration that feels like they can do anything they want, anything they want, and they can use their, their law enforcement powers for political purposes, and that is something that we see each and every day. Um, and it's got to stop. It really does. It has to stop. Hey, listen, thanks so much for letting me hang out with you here on Fox Across America. It was a lot of fun. Feel free to tweet me at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. And if you want to tune in, I'll be starting in Philly in about uh, five minutes. So feel free. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. But in the meantime, keep up the good fight. Jimmy will be back very, very soon. I'm sure he's on Fox News as we speak. And killing it as always, is he not? Killing it as always. And make sure you follow Jimmy along for all of his latest. I know he's going to be on the road with Kennedy coming up on Friday in Miami. That should be a lot of fun. So get your tickets to that. No doubt about it. Thanks to the boys in the studio for their help today. I will be back with you, I hope, again very, very soon. Have a great day and thank you for listening to Fox Across America. 
Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.